It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. As we head into the fall and winter months, the U.S. faces many challenges at home and abroad. Aggression from authoritarian states like China and Russia and North Korea. Inflation wreaking havoc on the economy, serious water supply concerns here in the state of Utah. The headlines sound pretty ominous, but are there common sense, even bipartisan, even simple solutions beneath the surface? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, the Senate is out of session and uh, lawmakers, many are returning to states for a lot of uh, political campaigning as we come down the home stretch of the 2022 midterm but we do have uh, Senator Mitt Romney, who's not running for re-election this year, which is always good for a senator uh, here in the state, uh, racing around the state, uh, doing a number of things, but has taken some time to join us here in studio. Senator, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here, Boyd. Always good to have you back in studio. And uh, I want to start right uh, with foreign affairs. I know it's an important committee assignment for you. Those committee assignments matter. Uh, and as you look at the world, uh, let's let's start with uh, Russia and Ukraine and uh, give us some observation. What have the conversations been in, in your committee hearings? Well, I think we recognize that uh, Vladimir Putin has made another major escalation. The invasion itself was an outrage uh, and has received condemnation throughout the world. But the decision to annex parts of Ukraine and call it part of Mother Russia uh, suggests that he will use even more force to defend that area. He's threatened uh, elliptically to speak of using nuclear weapons. And I think the uh, great interest of the United States at this point is to have him understand that that would be a mistake. I think the best way of communicating that would be through China. Mm. For China to recognize that they, as an ally of Russia, and certainly in every effect, that uh, that they, China, would be subject to blowback, in fact, if Russia were to use a nuclear or biological weapon. Uh, and maybe they can prevail on him from taking that kind of drastic step. But it's a uh, it continues to be an enormously dangerous setting, not just for the people of Ukraine, but for the people of the world. Yeah. Because Vladimir Putin could do even more things that disrupt lives around the world. Yeah, I, I love this perspective of of China as the the key. Nobody's talking about that. Uh, Everyone's saying, well, you know, it's Russia. We got to put pressure here. Uh, but it's this interesting idea of allies and alliances. Obviously, we're competing with China. We'll talk about Taiwan and other places in a second uh, where we're going head to head with China. But here's an area where we actually need China to help communicate a message to Vladimir Putin in terms of the impact of anything he might consider. Yeah, I think uh, Xi Jinping of China is probably the only person he might be inclined to listen to. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and and Xi Jinping has supported Vladimir Putin in his invasion, but has not provided weaponry. And so far as we know, has not provided funding as well to, to Russia. So they've taken a bit of a standoff approach. I think Xi Jinping needs to understand from us that were Russia to use a weapon of mass destruction, it would change our relationship with all of those nations, including China, that uh, that are supporting Russia. 
uh, and uh, and that would have consequence on them. And by the way, anytime we talk about putting sanctions on other nations, recognize those sanctions hurt us as well. Right. When we say we're not going to buy your goods, they're not going to buy our goods, uh, and they're not going to give us some of the raw materials that we need. So th- these things we do with uh, with full awareness of the consequence. But uh, but Xi Jinping, uh, in, in my view, is a person who our State Department uh, and president ought to be speaking to. Yeah, so important to have uh, those crucial conversations there. Uh, and so let's talk about China now in, in terms of where they are. Things uh, Obviously, a lot of saber-rattling saber going on around uh, Taiwan, uh, visits from various uh, members of the, the delegation here in the United States. Uh, so what is what are the other messages in terms of, of China, uh, particularly as it relates to Taiwan? Well, I think we want to continue to show uh, China that, that we consider the people of Taiwan to be a free people, and we want to support them in their effort to remain free, uh, and that Xi Jinping and China should not take military action to uh, impose their will on the people of Taiwan. Um, ambiguity has been the uh, the, the the word of the hour as it relates to Taiwan, which is we don't want to say exactly what we would do. And that's probably the right thing for us at this stage is to have the Chinese wonder if we would be engaged militarily in some way were they to invade. Uh, but in the interim, I think we should speak uh, softly um, or loudly. But in particular, we should provide the weapons that, that uh, Taiwan needs to be what some people call a porcupine, if you will. China looks and says, ouch, it's going to hurt if yeah. we go and take Taiwan. So giving them missiles and, and providing, when I say giving, selling them missiles and, and other armament that allows them to defend themselves, um, surely they can't beat China. They're not a nation of such a scale that they yeah. could take on China. But they could make the cost of an invasion so high that China might say, we're going to bide our time. Uh, and uh, and hope that over time there would be a, a rapprochement between those people. But that's uh, I, I think it's in the world's interest for there not to be a takeover. By the way, uh, the semiconductors that that are in short supply here that we so desperately need, they largely come from Taiwan. Mm. And if Taiwan were to be taken over by the Chinese, it would have an enormous impact on jobs, the technology sector in this country, the automotive sector, the aircraft sector, military. Uh, it would have an amazing impact, a very frightening impact in this country. So uh, we have we have interests. This is yeah. not just I mean, I know we're always trying to help other people enjoy freedom. But don't forget, uh, we have interests as well yeah. in seeing Taiwan remain free uh, because it's a major part of our own economy. Yeah. And then finally, let's look at the uh, the other interesting in allies and alliance component, and that's dealing with North Korea, uh, where we probably actually need China and Russia uh, in order to have any kind of influence in what North Korea is doing. You know, the history of the world is of egotistical narcissists who uh, amass power under themselves and then threaten other people and try and take over lands and wealth and population from other nations. And, and that's what you're seeing in, in North Korea. That's, of course, what you're seeing in Russia and, uh, and, and China. It's a frightening development. Uh, you know, you, looking back in history, the, the huge conflicts in history are these egotistical uh, narcissist maniacs uh, who, who impose their will on others. It's an extraordinary thing. Uh, and, uh, and in the case of, of the leadership of, uh, of uh, uh, North Korea, 
it's important for us to make sure that, again, China and Russia recognizes that that if uh, it's if North Korea's leader uh, continues to act in a belligerent way, that there could be consequence for all of the above. Yeah. So important. Such a, a crucial conversation there. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. And we're going to do as we often like to do on this show. We're going to stay with the conversation just a little bit longer. Uh, Senator Mitt Romney is going to stay with us here in studio. When we come back, we'll talk about water here in the state of Utah, inflation and uh, what's ahead. Stay with us on Inside Sources. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. We are going to stay with the question just a little bit longer today. Senator Mitt Romney joins us in studio. And, Senator, as we uh, shift uh, back to, to home uh, in terms of what's happening here in the state of Utah, a lot of talk about water and drought. Uh, even with winter coming, uh, there's still a lot of conversations. You're leading a lot of those conversations back in Washington, D.C. Uh, where are we as it relates to water? What kind of conversations should we be having? Well, someone famous once said that the states are the laboratories of democracy, and heaven knows we need a laboratory right now as it relates to drought conditions and how we keep the Great Salt Lake from continuing to dry up, how we make sure that we have the water we need for our growing population. Uh, And uh, in the last couple of days, we've seen some projects that have a good deal of promise. Uh, The Central Valley people are processing some, what, 30 million gallons a day uh, of, uh, of wastewater, and uh, turning it into water that's uh, uh, able to be uh, used uh, uh, in a clean way. It goes into the Jordan River, ultimately into the Great Salt Lake. Um, South Jordan has a demonstration project where they're taking literally refuse water. I mean, we're talking sewer water uh, and turning it into drinking water. Wow. We'll see how well that works. They're, they've got a process that has no um, uh, refuse, no residue left over, no pollution whatsoever. Hmm. Uh, it's a pilot project uh, that the mayor has uh, uh, authorized and is a joint venture between the, uh, the state and the locality and the federal government. So some pretty encouraging things. And, of course, right here at home, uh, you know, Speaker Wilson has made this a centerpiece of what he wants to get done to say, hey, how do we save the Great Salt Lake? How do we make sure – we have the water resources we need. Yeah. And how do we balance those uh, laboratories of democracy in terms of what's happening at the federal level, what's happening at the state level, making sure we're getting the right resources applied to the, the right spaces? Well, you know, I, I, I understand when I go out and talk to people, I hear time and time again, just like I did just a few minutes ago, that the people in, in, uh, in Utah want to keep the Salt Lake from getting dried up. They know it's critical for our health, uh, for our economic vitality, and they want the people who were elected to, quote, do something about it. So they look first to local leaders and then to state leaders. And the state has really, you know, stepped forward. $500 million going into water projects in the last year from the state legislature. Uh, but the federal government also has a role to play. And, and we passed an infrastructure bill with literally billions of dollars sent to states to be used for projects that will save water and, and keep our waterways uh, open and free. So, um, you know, but we have to we finally, I think, have to come to grips with the fact that we can't keep on doing things the way we've always done them. Yeah, we uh, we lived in the last 50 years with more water than we think we're going to have in the next 50. So we probably ought to make some plans to make adjustments uh, so we won't have to. Uh, have a lake that's that's dry and uh, and mountain ski slopes that have no snow. <laughs> that's right. We definitely need the snow in the mountains for sure. Uh, as you've been uh, traveling around the state, uh, again, with the Senate being out of session, uh, what else are you hearing uh, from constituents around the state of Utah? What are they most worried about? Uh, what are they really looking to? 
Well, inflation is the constant story. Uh, anywhere you go in the state, people are uh, looking not just at the high price of gasoline, but the high price of food. I mean, a half gallon of milk, four or five dollars more. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just uh, it, it's, it's shocking to folks. Beef is very expensive. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, folks that had a certain, uh, you know, wage or salary, all of a sudden seeing their food bill go up by 20 or 30 percent in some cases are wondering how they're going to make ends meet. Um, housing is the other issue I hear about, mm. which is, you know, I wanted to get a house. Now it doesn't look like I can afford it. Not with uh, mortgages, six, seven percent uh, interest right. rate. Uh, it's uh, pricing a lot of people out of home. So we're we're seeing such a dramatic departure from expectations that folks are angry and want to want to th- see things get settled and and uh, uh, that's part of the job that we were elected to do uh, and uh, I, I think we're going to try and get things back on track. Yeah, and so as you look at that uh, back on track component, obviously we'll have the midterm elections here, a little bit of a lame duck uh, session in between, and then uh, on into twenty twenty three. Uh, and as you as you look at that, uh, of course, uh, we got the continuing resolution, which uh, I just want to note for the record. I did pick the exact date of December the 16th would be when it would uh, expire for the next funding battle. Uh, but as you get back there in those conversations with your colleagues, uh, what are the conversations that are going to change that dynamic for jobs, the economy, inflation uh, to help uh, hardworking American people? Well, there's so much going on that uh, that we have to do many things at once, and hopefully we have the capacity to do that. But one is our foreign policy reality. We can't afford to keep on shrinking our military. Mm. Uh, the president put forward a budget with basically 20 different line items, and the one that's growing the slowest in his budget is the military. Mm. Well, given what's happening in Ukraine, given uh, our, our needs in the Pacific, we, we really can't let that happen. At the same time, we recognize we're spending vastly more than we're taking in, and that, by definition, causes inflation. And if we're having high levels of inflation, we're going to have to rein in some of the spending that we do. So where are we going to do that? That's something we're going to have to talk about. And then one of the issues that's big for people across the state, particularly in the agriculture sectors of our state, which is immigration. We need more legal immigration uh, to allow people to come in with visas one to work in dairy farms and to work in uh, cherry groves and so forth to, to make sure we have the, the, the labor necessary to keep our crops uh, and get them to the marketplace. So there are some challenges we have that, frankly, we've been kicking the can down the road too long on some of these things, and we really need to address them. Yeah, and uh, I know one of the things that you've had your eye on is uh, that mounting national debt. And, of course, as those interest rates start to go up, just the amount uh, that we'll pay in interest on that 30 plus trillion, uh, that's got to be worrisome as well. Boy, that's a real problem. Um, we will be spending probably next year as much money on interest as we spend on our military. Mm. And I don't know how a nation can lead the world and, and how it can exercise, uh, if you will, the, the soft and hard, hard power the world relies on from the United States uh, if we're basically completely beholden uh, uh, to the people that have loaned us money including the Chinese and others. Uh, So we're really going to have to take on the spending. And as you know, two-thirds of our spending is automatic, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. Uh, We're going to have to address that and make sure we have the resources we need to, to fulfill the promises we've made. Yeah. Uh, and as you as you look at all of that, Senator, and, and as you look at uh, rolling and obviously there's a lot of debate in terms of who's going to be in control of what uh, after the, the midterm election. Uh, but I want to go to something we were talking about during the break, and that is, uh, one, this idea of 
of politics and campaigns being about what you're against uh, versus a vision of what you're for. Uh, and there are some who, who like the fight and who just want to engage in the fight. Uh, but to really lead and to really lead the country where it needs to go, what kind of vision should we be looking to uh, from our, our leaders in Washington? Well, I, I really wish that as voters were considering who to vote for in races, local, state and federal, they would focus not just on the attack ads, which frankly are off the mark. Uh, they're a little dis- – well, more than discouraging, yeah. uh, just really repulsive in many cases. But we'll focus on what is this person going to do? How are they going to help my life be safer and more prosperous? How will they help my kids? How will they help my health care? How will they care for our veterans and others with needs? So ask not just how your, uh, your, your uh, candidate will fight but also what they will do. And uh, and sometimes we, we forget that. We get so wrapped up in the battle, we forget that we want people who will actually get the job done. And I frankly think my party, the Republican <laughs> Party, uh, is in a, in a better position to get things done for our country. Yeah. And finally, Senator, real quick, uh, as you look at that, if the Republicans uh, – looks like there's a good chance they'll take uh, the House. The Senate is still looking pretty much a toss-up. Uh, divided government is an interesting thing. It's, uh, it's, I think it's been a, served the country pretty well in a lot of cases. Uh, what would that Republican agenda really need to entail if they were to take control? Well, the nice thing about a Republican agenda is that we actually get to set the agenda. So, for instance, we just talked about the spending, the fact that we, we have entitlement programs that don't have enough resources to be maintained. We could put that on the agenda. Mm. Chuck Schumer won't. He won't even allow it to be raised and to be voted upon. Immigration law. Have we voted an immigration policy? No, because Chuck Schumer won't allow us to actually raise that. So having Republican leadership means we get to set the agenda. As you know, having been in Washington, you know well, the majority leader is the one that sets the calendar and decides what we talk about, what we vote on. Let's talk about some of these issues and actually get them resolved. One way or the other, just not doing anything can never be the right answer. Yeah. Senator Mitt Romney, thanks for joining us in studio today. Enjoy your time here in the state. And uh, we'll look forward to continuing to march all of these crucial conversations forward. Appreciate your service. Appreciate you stopping in today. Thanks, Boyd. Good to be with you. All right. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to move towards the second hour where we're going to talk about this dignity index and how we talk about things, especially with those that we disagree with. Stick around. More inside sources coming up on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.